TheLogbook.com and Select Game are brought to you by the BritBox channel on Amazon Prime. If you already have Amazon Prime, you can sign up for a free one-week trial of the BritBox channel, featuring classic British comedies like Absolutely Fabulous, Are You Being Served, Blackadder, Faulty Towers, and The Office, among many others. Thanks to BritBox, Amazon, and you for supporting TheLogbook.com and Select Game. Ah, the late 70s and early 80s, the boom years of the video game industry. And my game system was the Magnavox Odyssey 2. Sleek, stylish, futuristic, and totally underappreciated. Sorry. Let's change that. I'll dig through the Odyssey 2 library, introduce you to each game, offer a few of my own expanded memories of playing them both then and now, and we'll see if those games hold up today. Incredible. I'm Earl Green, and this is Select Game. <laughs> Welcome back, friends, to Select Game, the expanded memories of the Odyssey 2 podcast from thelogbook.com. I'm Earl Green, your host. It's late on a Monday night as I record this, and we are almost done with November, and so I thought, you know, I better crank this one out. Actually, I've been trying to crank it out for a couple of weeks, but my uh, my kids have been over here a bit more than usual, and so that's kind of uh, forced podcasting into the background. But we do have a uh, we do have an action-packed last episode of 2017 for Select Game before we take a couple of months break and resume the show in February 2018, which is kind of our normal pattern. It's just we've we've lost a lot of time this year due to various <laughs> and sundry things intervening in real life. That being said, we do have a little bit of news, so let's get right to it. In the news. Classic Consoles Center in Austria, that's uh, Dieter Koenig's site, is doing a release of 100 cartridge copies of Robot City which was an unreleased prototype that first came to light in the 90s. Now, these copies of Robot City, these cartridges, will work on both PAL and NTSC systems. There are only 100 of them. Be warned that half of those 100 copies are already spoken for. So if you want some killer robots, you better get them fast. I will include a link to Classic Console Center on the show page at thelogbook.com slash selectgame. So you can get your own copy of Robot City. See if Santa will bring you some killer robots. I mean, he does do that sort of thing, right? So that's really the only news item we have this this month. Kind of a November's been kind of a light news month on the Odyssey 2 and Video Pack front. So let's play some games. And the, the theme for this month is Christmas 83. And basically what that means is this is what I got these games and added them to my collection, found them under the tree, no less. So it's certainly a, a festive, seasonal sort of thing. 
two games I will be playing this month are Attack of the Time Lord and Smithereens. Both of these games had completely different names in Europe. We'll get to that in just a second. And also because Robot City is being released on cartridge, I will be playing a little bit of Robot City. However, I will be playing it in emulation, so be warned that the pacing and the sound may be a little bit off versus playing Robot City on an actual cartridge, as the Wizard of Odyssey 2 intended for you to do. Attack of the Time Lord was the very last game programmed by Ed Averett for the Odyssey 2 library. This according to the interview conducted by Michael Thomason in Old School Gamer magazine. However, Attack of the Time Lord was released prior to Power Lords, a game which had been finished earlier. So, you never really know what the vagaries of marketing and licensing will do to your release schedule. However, for Ed Averett, Attack of the Time Lord was the end of the road. The European market, the video pack crowd, knows Attack of the Time Lord by a completely different name. Philips licensed the name of a Jerry Anderson puppet-based sci-fi series, and I think this was probably, I think this was the last major puppet series that Jerry Anderson launched on British TV. It was called Terra Hawks. And the, you know, the marketing for basically the same game in the UK hinged on Terra Hawks characters and situations and sounded nothing like the the back-of-the-box marketing push for Attack of the Time Lord in the U.S. However, that being said, at the tender age of 11 years old, I was convinced that Attack of the Time Lord was a tie-in to a completely different British TV science fiction series. Because, in my mind, Spyrus the Deathless, the Time Lord of Chaos, which is the the big bad in the game, according to the U.S. marketing material, seemed like just the kind of madman who would hail from Gallifrey, planet of the Time Lords, and the home planet of the Doctor in Doctor Who. I thought that this was the point at which two of my great loves of my life, you know, both back then and now, had met. Odyssey 2 and Doctor Who just seemed like a very obvious marriage to me. But, um, wasn't that kind of Time Lord. Still, I, I, I'm holding out some hope that at some point I might uh, find my hand-scrolled fanfic <laughs> pitting Spyrus the Deathless Time Lord of Chaos against the Doctor. Attack of the Time Lord has a very frenetic pace, very atypical of an Odyssey 2 game. This game moves fast. In the interview from Old School Gamer Magazine, Ed Averett said that he felt he had done all he could do with the Odyssey 2 hardware platform after he had finished Attack of the Time Lord. And yeah, now that I've reacquainted myself with just how frenzied the gameplay is, I believe it. I don't think it's an exaggeration at all to say Attack of the Time Lord is peak Odyssey 2. So... What does it say on the back of the box? Attack of the Time Lord. 
An unexpected power surge plunges your time machine <laughs> into the forbidden dimension of Spirus the Deathless, Time Lord of Chaos. You'll hear the taunts and threats of the Time Lord himself as his awesome armadas pursue you. <laughs> Through a newly created warp in eternity. Are we sure this isn't connected to Doctor Who? Because this sounds like something straight out of a script from 1983 on that show. <laughs> wow. Attack of the Time Lord and Smithereens both were voice-enhanced Challenger series games. It's a little bit more onboard memory on the cartridges than... Magnavox was really known for springing for. Let me check the box to uh, make sure I haven't written any high scores down back here. Surprisingly, no. I'm rather disappointed. Let me make sure I haven't... Uh... Now there's nothing in the sleeve for the manual. And I haven't written anything in the manual. 11-year-old me didn't write anything in the manual, which, you know, thanks, 11-year-old me. My game is an almost pristine shade, but for that I thank you, but, um, no high-score Easter eggs. So we're just gonna have to set a new high score of our own. Let's play Attack of the Time Lord. So there's the face of Spirus the Deathless, and here's a bunch of ships coming at me. No time for small talk. We are in the fight. The play mechanics, or at least the play mechanics for the AI of the game, are somewhere between Galaxian and Centipede. Aha! Okay, are you telling me to attack and destroy your guys? Because, you know, it would be a pleasure. Okay, we've added a new weapon to the arsenal, which uh, moves at a slow and inexorable pace, but kind of homes in on you, no matter what you do. You can blast the, uh, you can blast incoming fire out of the sky. Crap. Okay, dodge that bullet, literally. Every time you hear him talk to me, every time you hear him trash talk me, I have cleared another screen. Okay, we are on the third screen, and we now have the uh, little green bombs, which hit the ground. They, they not only home in on you, but they hit the ground and then follow you along the ground for a while, uh, limiting, your, limiting the movement of your cannon. And they got me. Motivational Dalek. I already did that, dude, but okay, I can attack and destroy some more. The thing that reminds me of Galaxian and maybe just a little bit Galaga is that if you if you hit the enemy ships kind of 
in the middle of their ranks, they kind of scatter and regroup, and you you have a moment there where they're um, they're sort of panicking. Second, second rack now. So we have the the follow ammo. Well, one of the kinds of follow ammo. This is the kind that tracks you while it's still in the air, and then dissipates the moment it hits the ground. Defeat is at hand. Okay, the guy's contortionist. Okay, see if I can clear the third wave for you, because uh, since I'm talking to you at the same time that I'm playing, I'm not exactly giving my full attention to the game. Got him! Okay, wave four, this is where they roll out the, the big nasties. Yep, there they are, the little diamond-shaped dudes. They not only track you while they're in the sky, but they dodge your incoming fire. Not bad, human. Well, thank you. But what would you say if I told you I was from a small planet in the vicinity of Beetlejuice? Probably the same thing. Okay. I am on wave five. Okay, I've got one dude left on the screen, and he does not want to be shot down. Okay, current score is 300, going into wave six. Oh, lots of little diamonds. Okay. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Bite my ass. Bye! Wave 7. Whew! No! Okay, so I, <laughs> I tapped out there at uh, 386 points in the seventh wave of the game. It gives you an idea, uh, listening to all of that, how much the pace picks up in Attack of the Time Lord. It's really... I, I have a great deal of affection for Alien Invaders Plus, but Attack of the Time Lord is basically everything you want from a shooter that Alien Invaders Plus isn't. So regardless of the, uh, the derivation of the game's chief protagonist, Attack of the Time Lord really is a... It's a must-have in the Odyssey 2 library. 
it's kind of interesting because Terra Hawks has actually, you know, I mentioned Doctor Who before. Terra Hawks has been revived recently in audio form with most of the original voice cast, keeping in mind that it was one of these super marionation puppet shows, basically. Uh, most of the original voice cast has reunited in recording studios to do audio Terra Hawks produced by Big Finish, which is a company that really made its name reviving Doctor Who in audio form long before it came back on television. So let's talk Smithereens. Again, this is a game known by a completely different title in Europe, where it was released as Stone Sling. It was programmed and released in 1982 programmer was Robert L. Cheesum. Now, there is some question of authorship among Odyssey 2 and Video Pack scholars because apparently there is a, uh, a belief in some quarters that the game's concept may have originated with Philips in Europe before its release in the U.S., which would mean that Robert Cheesum only added the voice elements. But oh, what voice elements they are. Robert Cheesum programmed one other game for the Odyssey 2, which was the pack-in title for the Voice of Odyssey 2 speech synthesizer, Type and Tell. And even that game he did not do alone. He had an assist from Robert S. Harris of Killer Bees fame, who figured out how to do a 96-character grid on screen all at once, which was not something that the Odyssey's native graphics chip was set up to do, and so they kind of had to, uh, kind of had to kludge it just a little bit. The gameplay of Smithereens is just this beautifully balanced thing, but it's somewhere between Warlords for the Atari 2600 and Artillery Duel on the Bally Professional Arcade. But neither of those games trash talk you the way the Smithereens does. I mentioned Warlord. Uh, I should give a hearty recommendation to the valiant, the, the triumphant return of Vic Sage and his Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. He just covered Warlords not so long ago. And if you have any interest in the origins of that game, uh, you definitely need to give it a listen because there are, he found some surprises in the development history of Warlords. But we're talking Odyssey 2, and we're talking Smithereens. So, without further ado, let's play a game that really rocks. One of my all-time Odyssey 2 favorites. Now, I actually delayed this podcast coming out because I had hoped to get one of the kids to play this with me. But I had a little bit of trouble convincing anyone that this would be fun when in fact it is one of the best video party games out there. And this is possibly the two-player game for the Odyssey 2, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll put it to you this way. When I was in my 20s, and I still have my Odyssey 2 hooked up because I loved it so much, and it was so near and dear to my heart, anytime I had friends over, you know, anytime I had you know, more than one friend over. Or hell, even just one friend was a, was a good excuse to bust out smithereens. I would plug this game in and 
kind of talk them through, talk them past the hurdle of how primitive it looks, and just let them experience it for themselves, because it is, with the right crowd, it is absolutely hysterical, especially if you have the voice trash-talking you the whole time, which, of course, I do. So, without further ado, let me try to play a single-player game of Smithereens. knocked out the blue player's catapult, so he has to roll it off screen to fix it. And during that time... Hurry, attack, turkey. attack turkey! Yes! Thanksgiving has just passed, and I survived thanks to my attack turkey. That's easy. Okay, you get on this side of the screen and say that. That's easy. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> Sometimes you can pitch your projectile right into the lake in between the castles. You blew it. Well, we missed each other. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> okay, I killed the red guy and took out the blue guy's catapult. So, a momentary lull in the hostilities. I took out Blue Guy's catapult. That's easy. So while he gets the rest of Blue Man Group to help him repair it. Incredible. Oh, I took out his catapult again. Okay, can I hit his castle? Yes, I can. Repeatedly. Guy's castle is down to one little stumpy piece of debris. Oh! Killed the red guy, took out blue guy's catapult. That seems to be a recurring theme in this game. That's right, Ovi. Okay, so I... Don't know if you really noticed there, but almost all of the sound in Smithereens comes from the voice. This is really possibly the closest that the voice of Odyssey 2 got to the promise that it would enhance the system's sound effects and not just, you know, jump in and say things. Killer Bees has the bee buzz in it, but that's... Uh... I don't know, it, it's not as all-pervading as the sound in Smithereens. You know, the, uh, you know, the whistling is somewhat anachronistic whistling, you know, descending whistle of a bomb falling, which is uh, hardly medieval. 
the explosions, and, of course, you have the boys trash-talking everyone in the game in that sort of demented game show host voice, which, you know, <laughs> I really, for me, come on, turkey, hit it. That is the catchphrase of this game, and it is a phrase that I associate closely <laughs> with my love for the Odyssey, too. So, graphically, it's not even remotely impressive, but the gameplay is, it elevates it way, way above that. And the sound effects are just gravy that makes it delicious. So, there you go, smithereens on the Odyssey 2. Now, we're going to break from the Christmas 1983 theme of this month's show to make room for a little gameplay demo of Robot City, which is, as I mentioned earlier in the news segment, being re-released by Dieter Koenig at Classic Consoles Center for both Video Pack and Odyssey 2 fans around the world. Robot City was never actually formally released in either the European or American markets. It was programmed by Graham Thomason for Philips Special Projects, and the prototype, the unreleased prototype, was discovered in the 1990s. It was first released on cartridge in 2009 by Andy Riles. The Classic Console Center reprint debuted at Eurocon in the Netherlands in October 2017. 100 copies have been made of Robot City in cartridge form, and a little over half of those are left as of the recording of this podcast at the end of November 2017. I will warn you that the game seemed kind of slow in emulation, although that did add a sort of inexorable, <laughs> heavy, heavy metal feel to it, you know, like these robots have some heft and they can't be bothered to move faster than that. Uh, although I'm pretty sure that in cartridge form it's supposed to be faster paced. Now, earlier I mentioned that uh, upon unwrapping Attack of the Time Lord on Christmas morning in 1983, I was initially excited and then just ever so slightly let down by the fact that there was no Odyssey 2 Doctor Who game. However, the thought occurred to me after playing Robot City, after reacquainting myself with it, this would be a great game to apply the Doctor Who mythology to. Assign the player the role of some poor lumbering robot, and there are plenty of those in the Doctor Who pantheon, and say it's a maze full of Daleks, because these things are really hard to kill. Doctor Who was still a big deal in 1983 and 84, which is probably when Graham Thomason was originally programming Robot City. Why not license Doctor Who from the BBC? I mean, after all, they had licensed Terrahawks. But uh, in any case, Robot City remains generic, but it also remains a lot of fun. Alright, so this game, obviously, like I like I mentioned, it was not part of my Christmas 83 Odyssey 2 haul. This is a game that was never actually released and was discovered and released later in ROM form. And as I have said from the very beginning of this podcast, I will let you know if I am playing a game in emulation 
rather than on original hardware, and I believe this is the first time I'm having to give you this notice. This game is being played in emulation on a PC, so uh, sound emulation especially may be a little bit off. But not by much. Robot City. All right. It's, um, it's a little bit like uh, Targa or Spectar, really. Okay, so you have a giant version of your uh, opponent's giving you the, uh, the stage that you're in. You have to be moving to fire a shot, otherwise the, uh, the system doesn't know in which direction your shot should be fired. Try to sneak up behind the blue one and catch him robotically unaware. Nice little explosion effect there. Now it leaves kind of a crater that you can't touch. If you touch it, you die. Oh bounced off the shields of the red robot. So the fact that it leaves a a lethal crater, I'm, I'm guessing, means that these are radioactive robots. Alright, let me catch red from behind. Boy, that sounds bad. Here, red. And let me back off of you so I don't run right into the crater. Boy, there, there is nothing about this that cannot be turned into some sort of double entendre. Alright. Uh, it was a miss, because I shot him from the front. His shields were up. I tried to shoot the green robot. Whoa! These guys have some firepower on their side, and that was quite a barrage. Now, again, I'm playing this game in emulation, so it's moving at something of a glacial pace. I'm wondering if the real thing is actually faster. Alright. Bye, yellow. Okay, the green robot is coming for me, but I'm going to try to uh, get behind him. Let's sit still for a moment, let him crawl across the screen. You are very slow, robots. Danger! Danger! Ah, oh, darn it. He started turning, so I didn't land the shot. And so I have to keep following him at a discreet distance 
to uh, shoot from behind. Okay then. Another giant robot. Stage two. And the little uh, shield in the lower right hand corner with the letters GT on it. The programmer of Robot City reminding you who uh, did his level best to, to bring this game to the world. Apparently on the publishing end, uh, Phillips had something else to say about it. Okay. Oh, darn it. Oh, no. Robots are gonna get me. He is gonna get me. This game is moving very, very slowly. Oh, this is... Uh, okay. I just about walked into that one. I think it's interesting that they... You know, they fire at you even if you're behind a wall that they have absolutely no chance of penetrating. Very single-minded radioactive robots. Oh, this is taking a long time. Very slow robots. Oh, okay. So they can't occupy the same space, and we'll turn around to come get you. Alright. Red is turning, so I know from which direction to attack. Oh, I missed! Oh, 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 I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble, they're almost surrounding me. Oh, they got me. But you know what? I can hold my head high because they got me very slowly. So there you have it. Robot City. It's a great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to die there. That's it for the November 2017 edition of Select Game, the expanded memories of the Odyssey 2 podcast from thelogbook.com. I want to take a moment here to thank all of the Patreon supporters who are helping to keep the show afloat. Some real-life obstacles to recording and releasing podcasts this year have made me feel like I might be letting you guys down a bit. I appreciate your patience, the continued support, means a lot to me, perhaps a lot more than you will ever know. 
I'll be taking a break over December and January to spend the holidays with my kids as they will be out of school for a couple of weeks and that will require my full attention. Select Game will be back in February 2018. Now, if you listen to my other podcast, Don't Give This Tape to Earl, I mentioned in the most recent installment of that show that I have put together a jacket full of pins and badges representing things of interest to me. But it became painfully obvious that there is no such thing as an Odyssey 2 or Video Pack lapel pin. So what if we were to change that? There's a site based in the UK called Curio Mill, and it's kind of a self-contained Kickstarter for things like enamel pins, embroidered patches, keychains, and so on. They have a pre-order period during which at least 25 people must order the product whose design has been proposed in order for it to be manufactured. So 25 people have to order it for it to even go to manufacturing. If you don't get 25 people pre-ordering it, it never sees the light of day. Now, if 50 people order it, the originator, the originator of the concept gets paid a small commission. But I'll be honest with you, my motivation will just be to get them made and get them into your hands and get them into mine. I've already accumulated quite a collection of pins representing a lot of stuff that I love. Star Trek, ELO, Split Ends, Battle of the Planets, space missions to every planet in the solar system, Doctor Who, Blake 7, and so on. The absence of anything representing the Odyssey 2 or video pack sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Now, separate designs could be done for the logos for the video pack and Odyssey 2. My gut feeling is the smartest approach would be a design that incorporates both logos so as to include everyone and maximize the number of pre-orders. So, you know, there's a guarantee that something with both of these logos actually gets made. So think about that. I'm kind of hoping to gauge your interest before I go submitting anything to Curio Mill. Ask yourself if this sounds like something you'd like under your Christmas tree in 2018. That's it for Select Game. I hope everyone listening has a pleasant holiday season filled with joy and love and possibly some new homebrew games and especially time with your family. That's really the most important thing. I'm certainly looking forward to that part of the holidays myself. I'll see you on the flip side in 2018 and thanks for listening to Select Game. That's all the time we have for the Select Game Podcast. You can hear Select Game on iTunes, Stitcher, and ThrowbackNetwork.net, and you can also subscribe through the RSS feed. You'll find the podcast itself and occasional goodies associated with it at www.thelogbook.com slash selectgame. If you really dig Select Game, also check out the 365-day-a-year Escape Pod Geek History Podcast at thelogbook.com. And donations toward the site's upkeep and continued podcast production are always gladly accepted at patreon.com slash thelogbook. You can also support the podcast by buying Select Game t-shirts and other goodies at redbubble.com. Look under user The Logbook. Phosphor.fossils, a comprehensive timeline of the golden era of video games, including the Odyssey 2, can be downloaded at thelogbook.com slash store. 
which is also where you can find the books I've written about everything from Doctor Who to Star Trek to growing up geeky. Feel free to drop me a line at the Facebook page for thelogbook.com, via Twitter at logbookguy, or email me at earl at thelogbook.com. Select Game Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2 is a production of thelogbook.com and was written and produced by Earl Green. Music performed by Kazatochi, available for free download at thelogbook.com.